So this morning, we are continuing a series called I Love My Church, uh, where we examine from different perspectives the, what it means to commit, when we, that commit, those vows that we take, that when we say that we're going to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And this week, we're going to focus on gifts. And as I did last week, let me point out some, some of the obvious parts of this commitment. We commit to support the church through the giving of our resources. Uh, interesting facts about Jesus and money, especially since people like to point out that he never specifically said anything about tithing, although he did tell this rich dude once to go and sell everything he had and give, give it to the poor and come and follow me. Take that as you will. But Jesus discussed money more than he spoke about faith and prayer combined. Let that settle on you for a minute. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. Money was an important thing for Jesus. Jesus typically taught in parables, and at least 11 of them, there's different ways to, to interpret the, what that, but at least 11 of the 38 or 40, again, there's many there's different folks that break it up differently, uh, talk about money or use money to teach a spiritual truth. It's pretty clear that this is an important area of our lives and that Jesus was very concerned with what we did with our, with our resources and with our money because he knew that the pursuit of money and the pursuit of stuff and the pursuit of material things takes us down, a, it, it takes us away from our spiritual focus, takes us down a path that leads us away from God. And he wanted to draw us to come nearer to God. And that's not to say that money is bad. That is never said. That's not said. Money is not a bad thing. It's a matter of the heart, though. That's why here you'll often hear me talk about when we give, we give to the work of Christ in the world. And it doesn't say to give to Arbor Point Church. I think we're all about the work of Christ in the world, but it doesn't say that. It says to give to the work of Christ in the world. If you don't think this is a place to give, give someplace to the work of Jesus Christ in the world. It's that important because it's a matter of our heart. Where we put our treasure is where our heart will be. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. John Wesley had an adage that, that I really like. It says he's, he was all about make all you can. Make the money. Make it. Save all you can. But the purpose of it was to give all you can. And that's important because giving is important for the well-being of our heart, our mind, and our soul. That's what give, giving gets us out of ourselves. I'm not, when I'm giving to the work of Christ in the world, I'm no longer focused on me, at least for a moment, you know, or focused on my troubles or focused on the, whatever it is that, that you know, we, we can often get wrapped up in. It's a spiritual discipline. Every, much, every bit as much as prayer, every bit as much as study, all of the things that we do in our spiritual lives, giving is a spiritual discipline that is critical in our journey. So money is the direction that I could have gone this morning, and I guess I kind of did just now, <laughs> briefly. Another way to go, and where we're going to spend more time this morning, is in the direction of spiritual gifts. And that spiritual gifts inventory that you, that you have is a way for you to, to fill, you know, that's a manual form. You can fill it out you can, for yourself. There are many online you can do um, to, to, take, to try to figure out a direction for your spiritual gifts. Now, you, definitively, the practice of them is how you'll discover where your spiritual gifts are. I preached a sermon series for The Journey, which is our discipleship core. We went 2018, we went through a discipleship core here, uh, and you can find it on SoundCloud. It began on April 15, 2018. It was a five-week series called Be You for Him, Living a Spiritually Gifted Life, and it's available. You can, you can look at that. It focused on gifts that support the body of Christ, gifts that serve the body of Christ, sign gifts, and living a spiritually 
gifted life. Spiritual gifts are given to each of us. There is not one single believer who doesn't have a spiritual gift, and most of us have more than one. So know that. You have a spiritual gift. Uh, we did a small group on, that's called SHAPE, Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose for Life. And it examined uh, the S was spiritual gifts. So it was an aspect of it, the heart, things that we're passionate about, abilities, things that we're good at, personality traits and experience. And bringing those things together gives us a picture of our spiritual, direct spiritual giftedness. There's some great script, great scripture that helps us with this too. It's often called 12, 12, 4, 4 is a way to remember this. It's, you know, it, it's like a, it's, what's that old, what was old Dr. Pepper? It had numbers, numbers on 10, 10, 4, well, this is 12, 12, 4, 4. It's first, first Corinthians 12 has lists of spiritual gifts. Rome is actually longer than that, but it starts there. Romans 12, uh, as you can see up here, uh, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. Those are, now, there's more than that, but that gives you a really good foundation for, for scriptural, the scriptural base for spiritual giftedness. And, and it's, so, so going into that will, will help you to develop and understand some of the giftedness that's out there, some of the gifts that are available. And all of these things are important aspects in our journey with Jesus. We want to know what we're called to do. You know, we want to answer that question, you know, what is my calling? And I want to fulfill that, right? Our purpose here at Arbor Point Church is, is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life. So finding out the calling and then helping to fulfill is kind of what we're about, trying to help folks to do that from, from however old. The thing is, though, that this series is to examine what it means when we commit our gifts, to our church, just like when we commit our prayer life, when we commit our presence. What is that all about? And that led to a conversation with a friend who pointed something out to me that I hadn't really considered at depth. And so this morning I want to move us in a direction I didn't plan to go. <laughs> Welcome to this series. God is our father. God is our parent. And in that conversation, we start talking about parents and their kids and helping their kids develop their gifts and their talents. And I know we have sports families in here, you know, and we have families with creative kids, and we have band families and scout families, and we even have one family that's a band family and a scout family. The gifts among our children and youth are many and varied. So what do parents do with that? What do parents do? Do they see the gifts and ignore it? Yeah, that, that doesn't really happen, does it? You, you, when you see the gift, as a parent, when you see the gift, you don't ignore it. You, you see it and you want to, to, you know, you may not have the resources to fully go after whatever it is, but you want to help your children along that line to become and to, and to see to find out, is this the area? Is this what you're going to grow up and as an adult become? And so you help them along that path. When a gift or talent is recognized, it is encouraged. Right? And hopefully that sounds familiar because we've been talking a lot about encouragement in the first two weeks of this series. Encouragement is really important. And it, but encouragement comes in many sizes and many forms. And this is one of the many, many things that parents do for their children. Kids don't always see. Y'all don't always see what your parents are doing for you, but they're trying their best to help you to become who God created you to be. 
Parents will go to great lengths. Parents will go to, they'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment, travel, even coaches to help their kids become the very best they can be. They invest their time and energy even when energy is gone. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't do this anymore, but I will because it's my child. Parents also at times let their kids try something they are not gifted at. Why do you think that is? So they can learn, so they can build character. So you mean we learn and grow life skills even through the things that we're not gifted at. See, one of our big challenges when it comes to figuring out our spiritual giftedness and what to do with it has to do with this little thing called discouragement. And it was funny because I, I hadn't really considered this much until going through this that dis Encouragement is to take away courage, right? Discourage. When I discourage you, I take away the courage for you to go forward. So discouragement is a powerful force in keeping us from becoming who God created us to be. We don't want to be discouragers, right? We want to be encouragers because then I'm helping you to be in the courage that God has given you. I want, to, I want you to live into the current courageous. We want to be courageous, right? We want, to, want you to be courageous. I want you to be encouraged, not discouraged. The world is going to bash us with discouragement. How do we encourage one another? So we try to figure out where our calling is. We try something, but it doesn't work out, so we give up. But let me pour some scripture in here because this is not unexpected and it didn't shock God. Galatians 6, 9, not much shocks God. I think it, I, I say that, but then I do stuff and I go, well, that must have really upset God. It's like, no, it probably didn't. He knew it was coming. Anyway, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. Say it with me. If we faint not, if we do not give up, if we don't, are not discouraged. Live into it. Galatians, sick Paul right into a church. Or Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Be not discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Who holds us up? God. We sure try to hold ourselves. I try to hold, I should just fess up. I try to hold myself up when I need to be stepping, stepping aside and letting God do it. You know, and then I get discouraged. Isn't that sad? Because God wants me to be encouraged. Joshua 1 9. How do I know that? Well, that's scripture, right? Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be, hang on, do, be strong and courageous. What is that really saying? Be encouraged. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you where? Wherever you go. You mean to the store? You mean heading on the freeway when they're merging and stuff? God surely in there because some of them people don't drive very good. <laughs> down at the ball field? Michael, God's down there with you when you're playing? Yeah. Football? 
Even amongst the brotherhood? <laughs> I hope so. Not only are we not to not let discouragement beat us down, but may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is an amazing hope that is found in Christ. We have access to that because he dwells where? In us. So be encouraged because the, the living God is in you. So be encouraged this morning that you're not walking alone even when it feels like it. And, and that will lift you up. I'm feeling a little lifted this morning. This is kind of cool. You know, because I was discouraged this morning and now I'm feeling encouraged. Is that crazy? That's crazy. So where am I going with all this? That's a good question. Hopefully I'm going somewhere because otherwise I'm just kind of out here just walking and talking and stuff. But here it is. This is where I'm going. This is my, my over, overarching point other than being encouraged. Um, <laughs> God is our father. God is our parent. He invested the life of his one and only son in each believer so that they might experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and live into the gifts that God has given to each of you, to each of us. God loves you so much. He invested the life of his one and only son, Jesus the Christ. He invested it in you as a believer so that you might experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and then live into the gifts that God has given to each of you. Who is this God of ours? How has he invested in us? Matthew 18, look at it this way. If someone has 100 sheep and one of them wanders off, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? And if he finds it, doesn't he make far more over it than over the 99 who stay put? Your Father in heaven feels the same way. He doesn't want to lose even one of these simple believers. He would that all were saved. And all around here means all. He wants all to be saved. If you're one of the 99, cool. You're in a good place. If you're one of the one... It's okay, because he's still looking for you. He doesn't let any of us just go. He'll leave the 99 to find the one every time because of this. Because for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And most of us know that by heart, but we need to not stop there, because we've got to keep going. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but sent him into the world so that through him the world might be saved, might be saved. He would that... All would be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is John 3, 16 plus. This, the plus we don't go to enough. But I'm telling you, you are light. Darkness cannot exist where there is light. It can't. I mean, we got light in here, right? But I give a little bit more light. But wherever I walk, you see a shadow, right? You didn't know that I believe this to be true. In God's Shekinah glory, in God's glory, the light is going to be so bright, there will be no shadows. Because in light, dark, in true light, in the light of God, darkness cannot exist. It's blown away. It's wiped off the mat. It's light. Light. 
You are light. You are the light of the world. You're created to change that with that which you come in contact. Do you change it? No. God will work through you, and therefore you are created to change that which you are engaging with. Because when you encounter the living God, you cannot help but be changed. Right, Robert? Cannot help but be changed. The author of all creation has gifted you for participation in this thing called life. He's gifted you. Say this with me. He has gifted me for participation in this thing called life. Ready? He has gifted me for participation in this thing called life. Participation, engagement, being a part of. That's being in the body of Christ. That's what being the body of Christ is about. Romans 12, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 which is right before that, that, uh, the, the gifts that are lifted. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And this is probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible, this 12 thing. I was 1670, pretty good, but. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that by testing that, you may discern what is the will of God, what his good, acceptable, and perfect will is. You want to know what God's will is? Do not conform to the ways of the world, but renew your mind. Seek him in every aspect of your life. Seek him in study. Seek him in fellowship. Seek him everywhere that you go. Then we become a living sacrifice which is our spiritual worship. When we talk about worshiping 24-7, that's what we're talking about. My life is lived as an act of worship for God. I'm looking for how he can use me in every, way, every place that I go. Living our lives, using our gifts for the glory of God is what it means to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. We have a tendency to pigeonhole worship is the thing that we do when we sing. Worship is how we live, guys. It's how we live. And there's a song that I want to close the message with. I was going to sing it, but I, my, my voice is not with me this morning. So I, didn't want to, I did not want to distract from the message of this song. And it paints a beautiful picture for us. And we're going to celebrate communion after the song. And we always want to come to the table having confessed our sins and where we've let life or things or people get between us and our relationship with God, we want to lay those at his feet. So as you listen and you watch, pray. As you listen and you watch, confess. Prepare your heart for communion. I'll hold you, baby. 
Try things out. The worst case, and you, as you seek to find your giftedness, the worst thing is that you're going to learn life skills, right? But the best thing, the very best case is that you'll find your place in the body of Christ. You'll be able to live into the calling that God has for you. You'll be a difference maker. Difference makers, you know what they do? They make a difference. Disciples make disciples. Be a difference maker. Be a disciple. If you feel like you're too far away, our God leaves the 99 for you. Our God sent his son to redeem you. If you're one of the 99, our God loves you. He's with you. He'll carry you. Our God knew and knows the cost and would do it again and 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 again. And then he'd do it again and again. And then you know what he'd do? He'd do it again and again. He would give his life for you again and 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 again. He'd keep giving it because he loves you. He's awesome. His love for you is never-ending, and he will surround you with people who he will use to carry you when you fall down. He will let you be one of those people that help carry another, which will lift you up too. 